Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental health nor emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he has gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as they individually and personally choose while accepting full responsibility for their own individual thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you are acknowledging that you and only you are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Happy Saturday, everybody. This is Brian Barnett. Welcome back to the last symptom of borderline personality disorder. I did something last night that I hardly ever do anymore. I went and saw a movie, and uh, the movie I saw was Glass, the new M. Night Shyamalan movie, the the sequel to Unbreakable and uh, Split. Now, this ain't a a movie review podcast, but I'll tell you, I really, really like that movie. I like all his movies. One major reason for it is because he's a Philly guy. He's from Philadelphia, and uh, he filmed so many of his movies in Philadelphia. So when I see his movies, I get to see my adopted hometown, uh, Philadelphia. I spend so much time trying to figure out, all right, where was that filmed? Oh, hey, I've been there, and, and I know where Bruce Willis is at in his scene and <laughs> that sort of thing. It really makes me feel good to see his movies be transported to Philadelphia in an instant without having to do the, the long drive to get out there. Also, I just think he does an excellent job of capturing the mood of Philadelphia. The way, uh, uh, the way he films the city, I think he just really captures the spirit and the mood and kind of the, the feel of, of Philadelphia. Anyway, you get a chance, uh, go check it out. And if you hate the movie, don't, don't blame me. Everybody's got a different taste, but uh, I loved it. <clears throat> hey, I got some uh, correspondence here in the last two days uh, that I wanted to share with you. I'll share it with you real quick, and uh, then we'll get to part two of episode 30 and uh, discuss the second uh, epiphany that I had that led to my recovery. This is going to be a follow-up to the last podcast. So uh, anyway, back to the correspondence. It's not good correspondence, but uh, I thought I'd share it with you anyway, just so you can see some of the things I deal with on a regular basis, as well as to uh, reply to some of this woman's thoughts, I reckon. Here's how it goes. I started getting these messages from her and I didn't really have time to reply. Part of this happened on my Facebook education group and part of it was uh, private messages that she sent me, but let's call her Sally for the sake of keeping her identity secret. So Sally tries to make a, a posting on my Facebook education group and she says, are you taking any more people for podcasts? I'd still love to do one. We had talked a while back about her being a, a guest on the podcast. Well, as time went on, um, how do I say this um, politely? I didn't see her making any progress. And uh, I wanted to see her making progress before I had her on as, as a guest. Hours passed, and then I get this post that she tries to make to the, to the group. Uh, she says, uh, though this support group exists... Do you recommend someone that is still sick with borderline personality disorder to seek professional help? Now, uh, alarm bells are starting to go off. She's been in my group for uh, a year now, well, going on a year. She should know the answer to that question. So I, um, I perceived that this question was not sincere. <laughs> 
She, she was not really asking this question because she wanted to know. She was asking this question because uh, she wanted to try to trap me in a gotcha moment. She wanted me to say, no, I don't want people to go to get professional help. <laughs> and uh, I've never said that. I've never told anybody that, have I? What I've said is that when you do, you're going to have to search real hard to find somebody who's got genuine knowledge and insight about borderline personality disorder. That is not me saying, don't go to professional therapists, psychologists, and, and whatnot. And I've made that very clear. I've made it very clear. So if anybody wants to believe that I tell my followers not to go to professionals to get help, they believe that because they're choosing to believe that. They're choosing to believe that despite the fact that I have never, ever said, don't go to professionals. All right? Now, a few hours pass, and then she attempts to post this message to the education group, which is totally inappropriate. And, of course, you know, it's not going to be approved to make it onto the, the group, but she tries anyway. Uh, so Sally says, have Brian check his private messages. He not only still possesses symptoms of borderline personality disorder, and then in parentheses she says, no abbreviations, that should make him happy. <laughs> She wrote out borderline personality disorder instead of BPD. And then she says, but he also, very much so, has a narcissistic personality. He is all about control. This is not a support group. This is a, I'm right and I'm in control group. Well, Sally, you're, you're right about that. It isn't a support group. It's an education group. It's not a support group. It's where people come to get educated. My group is not intended for people to come in and get support. Support may happen as a secondary benefit, but that is not the purpose of my group, and it is not defined on Facebook as a support group. It's defined as an education group. So you're right. It's not a support group. Now, about this uh, I'm right and I'm in control group, and this is a, a way for me to uh, get my kicks uh, controlling people, let me ask you, Sally, does the fact that you don't tolerate people coming into your house and doing whatever they want with your stuff inside your house, does that make you a control freak? No, it's your house. And you have the authority to determine what happens in your house and with your things. The Facebook education group is my group. I created the group. I host the group. It's my house. And so I have rules in place for the benefit of everybody, not just you, Sally. It's not a group that I created just for you. There are now 2,000 people in the group. And I am like an orchestra conductor. That's all there is to it. Every orchestra needs an orchestra conductor and that's the role I play in my group that I created and that I host so people are free to come to the group as long as they observe the rules and submit to my direction within the group after all Sally I don't need the group remember that I don't need it I don't have borderline personality disorder so I don't need the group I didn't create it to educate myself 
I created it to share the education that I already gained. Sally goes on to say that uh, he did not like any time that I talked about God. I will not apologize for giving my Savior all the credit for my healing. We cannot heal ourselves. <clears throat> well, anybody who has been following me for any time at all knows that I'm a God-fearing person. I believe in God. However, God has already created you with the capacity to help yourself. So, Sally, if you're sitting around twiddling your thumbs, waiting for God to send an angel to cure you, you're going to be waiting a long time. And another thing is that God is not going to be very pleased with you for waiting on Him to do your dirty work. Furthermore, my group and the work that I do is directed towards a wide variety of people with different beliefs and different perspectives on the world. Now, if their perspective is a healthy perspective, I don't care what perspective they have. I am trying to appeal to as many people as I can for their own benefit. And if I allow the work that I do to turn into a big old conversation about religion and God and the Bible, I'm going to turn a lot of people off. And I don't want that. Because a person doesn't have to believe in God to get better. None of the work that I do None of the principles of emotional health or of uh, escaping borderline personality disorder depends on people believing in God. Now, do I believe that a relationship with God would help people? Yeah, I do. But what's that got to do with anybody else? They're not me. And the only focus my work here has is in helping people recover from borderline personality disorder. And, you know, even for the people who do believe in God, I don't want them sitting around waiting for God to fix them for the same reason that they shouldn't wait around for God to tie their shoes when he's already given them ten fingers so that they can tie their own shoes. Well, then Sally uh, is not satisfied. She's got to send me a private message. She says, uh, I wonder why none of my stuff is approved for comments or posting. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why, too. I've been observing for quite some time, and I've figured out that if anyone has an opinion, then you won't allow them to post. That's correct. That's correct. I don't allow speculation. I don't allow pointless speculation. People come to the group to get answers, not to hear opinions. It's not a place where people come to hear your opinion. It's a place where people come to get educated. And what is education? Education is accurate information all right so you're right again sally uh anytime i mention god you don't like it you are not god you have a very narcissistic personality you cannot heal yourself well you're wrong sally you can heal yourself and uh, you're wasting time arguing about it instead of getting it done you think you are healed but uh, me along with many others that used to be in your group know that you are not yeah, I call them the uh, the disgruntled, my growing club of critics. And then here's the kicker. Sally says, I'm thankful to be in a support group now that's not completely controlled by rules. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet. I bet. <laughs> you, sir, need to do some reflecting on yourself. I will make people aware that you are fake and all you want is control. Well, good luck at that, uh, Sally. I, on my part, 
want the best for you. And I'm not being uh, sarcastic. I do want the best for you. I hope that you manage to one day be rid of borderline personality disorder one way or another. All right. Now let's get on to uh, part two of episode 30 and talk about the second epiphany that I experienced in my recovery from borderline personality disorder. In the last episode, I talked about how I experienced this huge revelation that I had been judging my feelings as good or bad, right or wrong for my entire life unknowingly. And how that realization was like a waterfall that come washing over me. Days later, I was still digesting this. And I was fascinated at this new thing about myself, which I had been oblivious to. In fact, I was excited. I was really excited that I was finally getting, getting real insights. I was getting real answers and real insights from this fella, this psychologist in Arizona, in Scottsdale. You can imagine that I was, I was really eager to sit down with him again. And I wasn't scheduled with him again. It was an intensive program. So I was seeing, you know, for like eight hours every day for three weeks, I was seeing, well, we had, we had group in the mornings and then I'd see a, one psychologist. I'd spend an hour with her or him. And then I'd go to the next psychologist and then I'd go to the next one. And then in the afternoon, right before lunch, we'd have another group session that lasted about an hour. We'd go to lunch, we'd come back, we'd do the, the hour thing again. Uh, I wasn't scheduled with him for like another two days, but when I finally got to sit down with him again, I was I was very eager to see what more he had to tell me. More aspects of myself, maybe, that had been right there all along, but that I'd been uh, unable to see. And that was when he hit me with the next huge epiphany by bringing up and then explaining the differences between guilt and shame. And he did it so simply, so cleanly and so simply. Here's what I primarily learned that day, which was the second profound insight, which has helped me achieve and maintain an emotionally healthy life perspective ever since. The differences between guilt and shame. Guilt says, I did something shitty. And uh, forgive my cursing. I'm simply quoting the way he said it. Because his choice of words had had an impact on me doesn't create the same impact to say crappy I'm trying to have the same impact on you that he had on me guilt says I did something shitty shame says I I am a piece of shit you catch that guilt says I did something shitty and shame says I am a piece of shit Guilt is always healthy. It's always constructive. Shame is never healthy, and it's never constructive. Guilt says, what I did was wrong. I got to do better next time. Shame says, I myself am what is wrong. I'll repeat that. Guilt says, what I did was wrong. Shame says, I myself am what is wrong. Why is that relevant? Well, because if you recognize that what you did was wrong, you can fix that. You can do it differently next time. But if your fundamental belief is that you are what is wrong inherently, there's no fixing that. So shame says, I'm inherently defective. Why even try? No matter what I do, it won't change the fact that I, I am a piece of shit. 
a piece of shit that does good deeds is still a piece of shit. Do you understand that? If you perceive that you are inherently a piece of shit, you can uh, donate money to the poor, you can save cats out of trees, you can help old ladies cross the street, you can feed the hungry, you're still a piece of shit. <laughs> because you perceive that as your inherent nature. That's shame. Now, up to this point, I had quietly believed, for all my life, I had quietly believed that I lived with guilt, when in reality I was burdened by shame, and shame was destroying me. And to make matters worse, the reason I felt this shame, which I had always mistaken for guilt, was because I was cruelly, irrationally critical of my feelings, which were never good or bad, right or wrong, to begin with. In the last episode, I told you how it wasn't just the fact that I had two epiphanies. It was the fact that he gave me two epiphanies, which so thoroughly explained together that they worked together. These two epiphanies, these two erroneous perceptions I had worked off each other. All of this had been going on inside of me for 35 years, deep in the background of my mind. I was entirely unconscious of these things until right at the moment he spoke to me about them. Then I internally, deliberately took a look at myself in a genuine way for probably the first time ever in my life. And I realized that the principles he was explaining to me were not only fundamental to a healthy approach to life, but that I had carried a distorted understanding of these things for my entire existence. And the truth of it all gushed out at me. What had been completely shrouded from me for 35 years, up to just moments before, was now suddenly and overwhelmingly obvious to me. In his book, uh, You Are Not So Smart, David McRaney says, The spell of highway hypnosis on a long trip is always broken when you take an exit into unfamiliar territory. The same is true in any other part of your life. These two conversations with the psychologist in Arizona proved to be like a major exit for me into unfamiliar territory. And suddenly, I was like a man who had been snapped out of a long dream. These two epiphanies in combination were like taking the Matrix red pill. <laughs> One alone would have given me years of positive, healthy readjustments to make and meditating and thinking over but the two of them together, in combination, the way they interact and play off each other, cannot be adequately emphasized here in this single episode of a podcast. I've spent nearly uh, 10 years now ruminating over all the ways my subtle misunderstanding of them negatively affected my life and my behaviors, my view of myself, my view of others, and on and on and on. In all areas, these things were connected in some way, had powerfully informed and negatively influenced my life. You see, this breakthrough allowed me to ask, why? Why did I end up with an erroneous understanding of these things to begin with? How did that happen? In turn, this allowed me to trace their origin back to the two utmost fundamental distorted core beliefs that I spoke about in the previous podcast. 
And once I had done that, I was then able to ask why again and trace their origins to the subtle messages of uh, invalidation in my parents' behaviors when I was a child. It was a snowball progress beginning with just two small but incredibly, incredibly important tweaks or adjustments to my fundamental understanding of life. Now, armed with an accurate understanding of the subtleties of these two fundamental principles, they continue to serve as powerful influencers for genuine positive emotional health. As you can imagine, I no longer discredit the importance of nuance. Nuance matters. A single subtle adjustment in understanding on something seemingly insignificant can very literally be the wrecking ball that just blasts through that wall separating you from real progress. It can be a defining moment for when you begin to change your entire life in an authentic way. Now, there's still plenty of those in the psychology field who want to debate the concept of shame and uh, argue over what exactly it is. They do this not out of genuine interest in helping you. Rather, they do this for their own benefit. You see, they're getting off on stroking their own sense of intellect. But there's no ambiguity about what shame is or isn't, except for the ambiguity that they themselves create. So leave those people to their stroking and uh, don't allow them to pull you into it with them. So the experience I've related here was just the beginning. The big breakthrough, if you will. That led me to many more milestones and epiphanies. If it has a positive effect on just one person who is where I once was, then it's worth sharing my experiences with you. Now, in the first podcast, I asked the question, what would it take? What force would be powerful enough to make you change or question your perception about sunrises? Well, the reason I use that illustration is because of this. It takes eight minutes for sunlight to leave the sun, travel through space, and reach us here on Earth. Did you know that? Eight minutes. What this means is that you have never seen a sunrise or a sunset as it is actually happening. When you sit on the beach and you watch the sun, boop, just peek up over the horizon. That already happened eight minutes ago. Something to think about. Folks, have a great week. I'll see you on Thursday. Brian Barnett signing off.